the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. It's time to sit back, relax, and listen to Conversations with Joan. Conversations with Joan will inspire, motivate, and empower you. Live your best life now. Listen, learn, think, and decide. And now, here's your host, Joan Herman. Change Your Attitude, Change Your Life's Conversations with Joan. I'm Joan Herman. Thanks for tuning in. Conversations with Joan focuses on topics that are important to your life, from health and wellness to professional development to personal well-being. Change makers join me to share their insights, tips, and strategies so you can thrive and live your best life now. Thank you for taking time for yourself, and thank you for letting us be a part of your life. Now, let's start talking. In January, many people set new goals for the year. They resolve to lose weight and get in shape. And while we know what we should do, usually a few weeks into our attempts at change, we fall back into our old patterns and habits. According to today's guest, Dr. Andreas Michaelides, when it comes to your goals, having the right mindset is key to any successful change in behavior. You might know what you should do, but what matters is why you want to do it and how you're going to do it in a way that works for you long term. Dr. Michaelides is a clinical psychologist who is chief of psychology for Noom. He developed Noom's human coaching program and he oversees a team that helps users meet their long term goals by better understanding themselves, their brain, and the science of choice. The innovative team behind Noom has written their first book, The New Mindset Learn the Science, Lose the Weight. Welcome, Dr. Michaelides. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you so much for having me. Great to be here. Doctor, at this time of year, so many of us are trying to overhaul our lives. Why do you believe we aren't always successful? Yeah, so, you know, so January 1st is, is uh, for many people um, a reset. It's a mental reset. It's a time where we, we believe that, um, you know, we can start over and do something different. And I think a lot of times people fail with their, um, with their resolutions because, um, they fall into the same patterns that they do a- every time. And, and so as a human, uh, you know, with, with brains that want to operate efficiently, we want to operate, uh, you know, we, we have patterns in order to help us operate efficiently. And so, uh, so a lot of times what happens is, um, is we fall into to very, very similar, similar patterns. Um, and a lot of those patterns are also, um, you know, we talk about a lot of those patterns within, within the book. Um, and, and that has to do with like overcoming obstacles and, and things of, of that nature. So, uh, so yes, yeah, so at this time, I, you know, we're all falling into to very, very similar uh, patterns, I believe. Do you think we have trouble because we try to change the behavior without addressing the trigger or the reward? Yeah, I, it, it, it really depends. It, it really depends on, on the person. But I think, you, you know, you said it really well. I mean, we're trying to change our, our behavior using potentially uh, techniques or, or approaches uh, that we've used in the past that, that are continuously not, you know, not very, very helpful. And so we're kind of falling into the same, um, you know, into the same routine or the same traps uh, that we do uh, year over year. Someone like myself, I'm a yo-yo dieter. I have lost weight and gained weight for most of my life. And when we go on a diet, and, and I hate that word diet because it implies that we're going on something and off something, but when we decide that we want to lose weight, what types of strategies should we be implementing to avoid that yo-yo dieting? Yeah, and I mean, that is that is something that a lot of people, you know, can, can relate to, and it, it, it's, 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 um, uh, it, it's a, yeah, it's a very understandable pattern. You know, I think I think it's important that any any approach that you take when it comes to your your you know your when I say diet, I don't mean diet to, to your way of eating or to your behavior should be really sustainable um, and and really make you know make sense within the context of, of your life. Um, 
what happens is 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 something that for many people is something that you you know you you called out in that you know you'll do something really different um, that is not sustainable and then when once you stop doing it you absolutely will gain the weight back uh, because you know because it's hard to maintain something so so temporary um, so I think one of the biggest keys that we you know we talk about at Noom is really doing things in your life that are um, are, are, are lifelong things, the things that you can actually maintain uh, well beyond uh, the program itself. So you just mentioned Noom. What makes Noom different from any other type of program? Yeah, so we don't think of Noom as like a, a, a specifically as a, as a as a diet, right? So we think about Noom as something. If you look at the company's mission, uh, it, it, you know the mission is to help people everywhere lead healthier lives through through behavior change, and so you can you can apply these principles. Um, to virtually anything that you're trying to do in order to, to change your behavior, whether that's stress management, it could be it could be weight loss, um, and you can even use you can even use all of the things that we talk about when it comes to any one of you know the the the, the dietary approaches that you're that you're talking about. Um, the goal the goal of the book and of the, the program is to really help you increase your awareness of your your behavior. Um, and once you can increase your awareness of your behavior and your patterns, then you can actually be able to to change uh, to change a lot of uh, the things that you're doing. But Noom, you're not going to come in and, and see like a prescription of what you can and cannot eat. It, it doesn't. It's not. It's not like that. Um, it's more a journey of of, of yourself and um, how to change your behavior behavior uh, in a way that is uh, sustainable for the for the long term. So when we start to love ourselves, you know, we talk to ourselves in a way that we would never speak to another human being. So when we change that internal dialogue and we start to love ourselves and we start to respect who we are, would that naturally translate into us wanting to take better care of ourselves and therefore lose weight? Yeah, I I mean, even above and beyond the the, the weight, you know, having an internal dialogue that is kind to yourself is is so so important for so many different facets of, of, of health. Um, you know, I think you I think you said it well. It, it, you know, we, we speak to ourselves in a way that maybe we wouldn't speak to other other people, um, and that's really unfortunate because you know we we're with ourselves longer than with any anybody, and so that's a, that's a really long time um, uh, to you know to have um, a dialogue that's that's un, uh, unkind. But you're right. It, it, you know, if you are able to change some of those patterns. And, and by the way, those, those thoughts uh, that you're talking about, that is part of, of the patterns that we have. You know, we see something, we go through an experience, and we try to make sense of it, and we, we interpret it in a way that can be helpful or, 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 or unhelpful. Um, and changing some of that internal dialogue can have um, uh, a, a resounding impact on many facets of, of our health. And changing that internal dialogue would help us to stay motivated. We have highs and lows in our motivation. It goes up, it goes down. And I'm one of those people that if I slip and eat a potato chip, I say to myself, well, you know, I might as well eat the whole bag. I failed. And so by changing that internal dialogue, that then would help us to stay motivated. Absolutely. Motivation does go up and down. And I I think, you know, the one thing to know is that the, the going up and down is not a um, almost like a deviation from from the process, but an actual part of the process. Um, and you know, having one potato chip and eating the whole bag of so, so something like that is is almost the analogy is analogous to you know uh, let's say um, uh, going to work and having a really bad day at work and then saying oh. I quit my job because I had one really you know really you know sort of not great day day at work. Um, and, and so, yeah, we, we kind of do, we kind of do these things, um, and we base a lot of things off of, off of our motivation, which changes so rapidly. Um, but the, the, perhaps the most challenging thing is actually seeing these things take place in front of you. Um, and then once you start seeing them, then you can actually start, start changing them and then create new patterns that are, that are, uh, you know, healthier or, or more conducive to your life. And that potato chip example, it, it really illustrates the way we talk to ourselves. The minute we slip up, we tell ourselves that we're a failure and we'll never be able to accomplish our goal. And so when we can rewrite that internal dialogue, it will help us stay on track. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and a lot of that has to do with cultivating a, 
a growth mindset. Um, it, you know, if you're thinking about changing your behavior as a journey, um, when when you when you have a, a, a something like a slip or something where you're you're doing something that is not you're not proud of, you know, there's such power in shifting your internal dialogue to from you know I'm 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 worthless or I'm not able to do something or I'm less than to okay this is a learning opportunity for me in the you know this happened and I and I did this and so. Um, so making the shift from from that internal dialogue to one that is um, uh, you, you know treats it as a learning experience is is very very powerful to to many uh, to many of our numerous. Doctor, for someone who's listening to us right now and is saying that's wonderful advice, but it's really hard to do. What strategies can you offer to help someone get started and stay on course? It is extremely hard to do. <laughs> uh, so I think first and foremost, I want to say uh, very clearly that is a very it's a very difficult thing to do in in, in general. Um, but the 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 best strategy I would say uh, to to think about is to really start off small. Um, you know, going into something like this uh, when you're trying to change your behavior and 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 saying, all right, I'm going to change everything in my life. You know, from from A to Z uh, on day one, I mean, that's, you're likely setting up a recipe for failure. So I think the, the, the most basic strategy is to just to try and start with one thing. And it doesn't have to even be related to, to, to weight loss. Um, it can just be understanding the, you know, the, the why you're trying to do it and, and really anchoring yourself into giving yourself context as to why you even want to maybe make a lifestyle change. Um, you know, that context can be really, really, really important. So I think first and foremost is to just really, really start off small um, and and do something that is uh, instead of very uh, uh, what we call smart goals, which are uh, specific, measurable, achievable, relevant, and time bound um, around something extremely, extremely small. And then you know once once you're once you've had that experience, then you kind of build on on that. Um, but just really start off small. That that would be my biggest advice. How important is it for us to understand the why behind our behavior? For example, when I was growing up, one of the really special things I used to do with my mom is we would sit down at night and watch television together and we would have a special treat. And that always made me feel close to her. Now that she's gone, I find myself snacking in the same way at night, probably unconsciously because I'm trying to feel connected to my mother. By understanding the why behind our behavior, does that help us to make lasting change? Yes, absolutely, absolutely. Uh, you know, uh, having that awareness around your your eating habits can be really, really powerful. Um, in that, if you're trying to change something and you know where where that's coming from, then you can do something in a different way to to connect with you know with your mother. Um, so you know. I, I, I just want to say, like, c- kudos to you for having that awareness and 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 understanding where that's coming from, because that's a very difficult thing for for a lot of people. Um, the why is not only important on some of those day to day behaviors that that you know you might be tackling uh, if you're trying to change your behavior, but it's also important to give context as to like the the why you're even doing all of this. Why why do you want to? Why does somebody want to lose weight? Um, and to really dig through that a little bit more, because oftentimes many people will start off, um, you know, wanting to lose weight because they want to lose weight. Um, and there's no deeper thought to that. And then, you know, you, you might hit a roadblock and and then that kind of potentially goes away because you didn't really give it, a, a, you know, the context uh, uh, or the deeper meaning. And so so we really, really do promote uh, understanding yourself within uh, your health journey um, as a means for being able to make meaningful changes um, along the way. And I use that as an example because I think most of us do things without really giving any thought to the why behind our actions. And so while I used eating as an example, it could also relate to someone smoking or drinking or any other type of behavior that is trying to fill an emotional void. Yes, absolutely. Uh, you know, the brain is so complex. Uh, and it's a, you know, we have a, a brain that is wired for emotions. It's wired for logic. It's wired for survival, for, 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 for many, many different things. And, and, uh, you know, we make associations, 
uh, in very, very unique ways. And, and that's why it's important to know that the approach that we, we think about at Noom is not, you know, this is the, this is the way you do it. You have to do X, Y, and T. And, you know, this, you're going to find the meaningful outcome. It's really a matter of understanding those connections within yourself and, and, and applying a, a lot of our techniques to, you know, what is custom to your life and the way that your brain is wired. Doctor, how can we stay healthy in a world that doesn't really promote health? Yeah, the world is not is not um, uh, along for the journey uh, for your your health journey. Uh, you know, unfortunately, these are things that uh, many people tackle that are in conflict with how the world operates. Food is re- readily available, all types of food at all times. You know, we we have um, you know situations where you know we we are um, maybe we're living with a partner who is not on the same health journey or. You know, you live in, a, you work in an office environment that, um, you know, that that is the opposite of of the the healthy lifestyle that you're trying to cultivate. And I think understanding that, you know, the the changes that you have to make or the changes that you'll make uh, have to do with start with yourself in order to react differently to an environment that you maybe cannot change. There are elements, obviously, of, of your environment that you can change, but there are also a lot of elements that you potentially cannot change. And so understanding how to navigate those two different things in, in different ways, um, it can be really the difference between, uh, between you know, finding success in your, in your changes that you're wanting to make and um, falling into similar patterns. When someone signs up for Noom, what can he or she expect? Yeah, so uh, so a couple different ways. So you you would go to noom.com and uh, you would start off by taking a, uh, a a quiz or an assessment that allows us to understand a little bit more about your specific situation. Everyone's situation is a little bit different, uh, and after that, you will uh, be able to sign up for a, a trial just to get a sense of the program uh, before committing to uh, to purchasing. Um, you can also go and uh, purchase the book. Uh, the book also comes with a, a free trial as well. We have an audio book. We have, um, you know, we have a physical book, and, and the book can be purchased from any, uh, any book retailer out there. In addition to lifestyle changes, do you make any dietary recommendations? Um, so if somebody is trying to, to, to lose weight, um, we give them information about Nutrition. So we, we do have in, in nutritional information and somebody can log their weight in order to gain additional uh, insight as to some of their, their patterns. Uh, but food logging is not a you know, mandatory requirement of the program. It is a, a temporary, we view it very much as a temporary tool to increase awareness as you, um, you know, as you try to discover what works and what does not work for you. How is the success rate with this approach? Are you finding that people are making changes that last? Yeah, absolutely. We, we, we find that uh, many people make lasting uh, changes. And, and, you know, when I say that, I don't actually mean uh, only for, for weight loss. Um, I actually mean for a lot of things other than weight loss. You know, we, we have, uh, yes, a lot of people who go through the program, you know, make very, many meaningful changes. But also, the, the, I guess my favorite stories are ones where we have our numerous uh, sign up and say, yeah, I wanted to, like, let's say, lose the next amount of, of weight. But at the end of the program, you know, I didn't lose the, the, the weight that I wanted to lose initially. Um, and many times w- w- one of the biggest findings that we have is that the, uh, many, many new, new folks have um, uh, weight loss expectations that may not be realistic. But at the end of the program, uh, they walk away with some very, very different um, skills and uh, thoughts about themselves that they can translate to other areas of their life, like self-efficacy and, and the way they feel of self-esteem and the way they feel about themselves. Um, so that's, a, that's always my favorite uh, thing to hear is, is people gaining so much more as far as uh, skills that they can apply to other areas of their life as well. Once again, the book is The New Mindset, Learn the Science, Lose the Weight. Doctor, in our final moments, what's the takeaway? What would you like to leave our listeners with? Um, 
Start small. Uh, really, really just start small. I mean, I said it earlier, and I, but I really, really mean it. Um, you know, changing your behavior is very overwhelming. It's very difficult. And, and in many ways, uh, you know, we live in a world that is not conducive to that. And so I would say start small and, um, you know, give yourself a bunch of, of grace because it's a, it's a lifelong journey. It's not, uh, it's not a, a, a temporary, uh, quick, quick fix kind of thing. So, um, start small and love yourself, I guess is what I would say. Dr. Michaelides, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you so much for having me. This is Conversations with Joan. Stay with us. We'll be right back. Do you feel lost on your journey to health and happiness? Then let us guide you on your path. Personalized actions towards health. Your path is a series of choices you act on every day. We guide you on a personalized journey of dietary, exercise, genetic, supplement, and lifestyle choices that lead you to optimal health and happiness. Often taking the road less traveled leads to liberation. Your path is personal. Your journey, like you, is unique. Take action today. Head to bestpathforme.com. Again, that's bestpathforme.com. If you're a business owner and you're not using video to market your company, you're losing customers and revenue, guaranteed. No matter whether you're a one-person shop or your revenue's in the seven figures, video is guaranteed to improve your fortunes. Hi, I'm Ed Lamoureux, owner of Lamore Strategy Group and Lamore Life Productions, a marketing consultancy and video production company. The most common two things I hear about why businesses aren't using video marketing is, one, I don't know how to do video marketing, and two, I don't feel comfortable on camera. Well, to both of those objections, I say this. Video shouldn't be scary. Failure should be scary. Numbers don't lie. According to HubSpot, video is the number one form of media used in content strategy. And according to WiseOwl, 84% of people say that they've been convinced to buy a product or service by watching a company's video. So how can you ride the wave to your own success? As Nike says, just do it. Practice, delete, and repeat until it looks good and feels right. And don't forget that you should tell stories if you want to get engagement. No one wants to watch ads. Well, perhaps with the exception of advertising agencies who make their living off them. But learn how to tell a story, and you'll soon be watching the clicks and views multiply exponentially, along with your revenue. If you need help with your video needs, give me a call or visit my website at lamorestrategies.com. That's L-A-M-O-U-R strategies.com. This is Ed Lamoureux from Lamore Strategy Group and Lamore Life Productions, where our favorite story to tell is yours. An invitation to appear on a radio show or podcast provides you with the opportunity to showcase your knowledge while promoting yourself, your products, and your business. It can elevate you as an expert, boosting your reputation, but only if you make a good impression. As a producer and radio host who has conducted more than 2,000 interviews, I have experienced all kinds of conversations. Some are great and leave the audience wanting more, while others are uninteresting, significantly diminishing the guest's appearance. In my training program, It's Your Time to Shine, I provide valuable information that will empower you to make media appearances more impactful. You work hard to get the booking, so don't waste the opportunity because of a lack of skills or preparation. To learn more about how I can help you shine like a pro, visit cyacyl.com slash media training. That's cyacyl.com slash media training. live a happy, productive life, but sometimes we just need a little help. Our Coach On Call experts provide strategies to help you live your best life now. Joining me today is Linda Mitchell, a board-certified professional and executive coach, speaker, workshop leader, and reinvention expert. She is the founder of Linda Mitchell Coaching and Healing. Linda is here today to discuss positive intelligence. Welcome, Linda. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you so much for having me back, Joan. It's always great to be here. Linda, let's begin with the definition. What is positive intelligence and what type of application does it have in our personal and professional lives? Yeah, so that is a great place to start. So we've all heard of IQ, right? Measures our intellect. EQ measures our emotional health quotient. But something that's an even better indicator of our wellness, success, and of achieving our highest potential is called PQ. And PQ is short for positive intelligence quotient. And actually, it really doesn't have anything to do with intelligence. PQ measures your mental fitness. It's the amount of time your mind is serving you versus sabotaging you. And I think I just want to back up and give a very short definition of mental fitness. Mental fitness is your capacity to respond to life's challenges 
with a positive rather than a negative mindset. So everyone understands physical fitness, right? When we go to the gym, we start to build our muscles to help our physical body grow stronger. And really the same thing applies with PQ, but you're actually taking simple and consistent actions that build your mental fitness, your mental health and well-being. And you build these critical mental muscles to help you shift. I'll call it like shifting the balance of power from your inner saboteurs, which is your negative self, right? All all our negative self-talk to your inner sage, which is your positive self. That's the part of your brain who can see the gift or opportunity in every challenge. So PQ really puts your sage in control while it weakens your saboteurs so they are no longer running the show. Have you ever used PQ in your own life? Oh, absolutely. And and I'm going to tell you, I started down a really difficult path early on in the 2020 pandemic. And and I think I'm not alone, right? I found that most people, myself included, were living mostly in survival mode. And, you know, this doesn't happen just when we have major crises. This can happen every day, right? When our brains are in survival mode, we're reacting to the world around us. We're not responding thoughtfully. And that is fertile ground for our saboteurs to take control. Those negative thoughts jump into the driver's seat. And that's where I found myself much of the time in the beginning. So remember, we're always judging ourselves, right? We're judging ourselves, we're judging others, and we're judging our circumstances, mostly from this negative standpoint. It's just the human condition. So when we're surviving instead of thriving, our saboteurs are in charge. And that was causing me a lot of stress and anxiety. I didn't want to be there. I did not want to let my saboteurs run the show. So I began to really intentionally live from my sage brain perspective. What that means is each challenge I faced, I asked myself, what do I see here? And if I, if my answer was, oh, this is so bad. Well, that was my saboteurs in control. But my sage brain was able to say, oh, I can see a gift or an opportunity here. And that's what I learned, right? Whichever you allow to be true becomes true for you in your life. And that was a game changer for me. Linda, so many of us live in that negative loop that you talk about. So how do we break the pattern? I love that question. Yeah. So the first thing we have to do is to shine the light on our saboteurs, right? We have to bring awareness to them so that we can clearly see who our saboteurs are and how they're affecting us. There's actually a a free quiz that I encourage everyone to take that tells us, you know, everyone will find out what their own top saboteurs are. And then you can learn some tools to help us shift out of that. Because really all we really want is to be happier, to live with more ease and joy. And and that PQ program teaches us all about our judge and what I call our 10 accomplice saboteurs. You learn how they trigger you, how they keep you in this state of fear and self-judgment and paralysis, or maybe in this place of repeating unhealthy habits and patterns. So once you find out who your saboteurs are, you learn how to weaken them while strengthening your sage brain so that your sage brain moves into the driver's seat of your life, if you will. And, you know, your saboteurs kind of go into uh, like becoming backseat drivers, to use that analogy. Um, Because what we're looking for is ease and flow, right? We want joy and happiness. That's what we're moving towards by boosting our mental fitness. And we want that to be sustained. We don't want, you know, like fleeting success, you know, happiness for a day or two. We want sustained happiness and success. And that really does require us to continue to build our mental fitness muscles. Just like going to a gym, you don't go to to a gym for a week and say, why don't I have a six pack, right? You need to work at it. So it's really important for us to understand what our saboteurs are. Right. You know, you need to know what they are because just like anything else, you can't fix a problem if you don't know what the problem is. There are 10 saboteurs. I mean, we have our big judge. We all know about the inner critic inside our heads. That's our judge. But those 10 saboteurs are, you know, let me just run through them and and see just from the name alone what we each resonate with. There's the avoider, the controller, the hyperachiever, the hyperrational the hypervigilant, the pleaser, the restless person, the stickler, and of course, the victim. So these are the top accomplices that keep us in the negative mode. Linda, do we have a dominant saboteur? Yes, we do. We have, well, the dominant one is just the judge, right? But everyone has something different. So someone may have the controller and the hyper-rational, and someone else may have the avoider and the pleaser. It's all very different. And the cool part is that that free quiz tells you who yours are 
And it's, it's really strikingly accurate. And not only do you find out who they are, but you find out what the characteristics of each of them are. And you begin to say, oh, yeah, that is me, you know. Linda, where can we take that quiz? So you can go right to my website and go on Saboteur Quiz. And it's free and it is tremendous. I encourage everyone to do that. And Linda's website is lindamitchellcoachingandhealing.com. And you can visit that site to take the quiz or to learn more about Linda and her work. And as always, to hear more from Linda, you can visit our website, cyacyl.com slash Linda. We'll be right back. WNYM Hackensack. Welcome back to Conversations with Joan. I'm Joan Herman. Thanks for staying with us. In order to challenge yourself, grow stronger, and become better, you need to step out of your comfort zone and take risks. Anytime you consider doing this, your brain will try to convince you to play it safe. Even when your thoughts lack a rational basis, you may allow your anxiety to prevail. Then, the fear holds you back. Today's guest, Angie Morgan, received a master class in how to take risks when she signed up for the Marines. She joins us to discuss how we can develop our risk muscle. Angie served as a Marine Corps officer, and she's been a special advisor to the chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff. She's a New York Times bestselling author and co-founder of Leadstar. Her new book is Bet on You, How to Win with Risk. Welcome, Angie. Thank you so much for joining us. Joan, it's so good to be with you today. Thanks for having me. So Angie, joining the Marines and then becoming an officer has enabled you to face many fears and to take many risks. When you were presented with those opportunities in the past, how did you feel? Were you scared? Were you anxious? (laughs) I think that there's a lot of, um, certainly when you think about the Marine Corps, a lot of intimidation that goes into that choice. And then you think, too, about just some of the physical risks that you'll be asked to do and participate in in the future. And it was really helpful to you to think of it as that wasn't the only risk that you had to take, right? There was, you know, moving away. There was, you know, encountering different, you know, you know, people learning a new value system in order to thrive in that organization. So I think often we tend to think of risk as very one dimensional when in reality it's multidimensional. And I'm really fortunate. I didn't know what I was getting into entirely when I went in the Marines. But when I left, I had this really important skill set that I was able to apply to all areas of my life. So everything that you just described, any one of those things could have caused someone to stop, you know, full stop, not do this. What did you do to overcome those feelings so that you could move forward? The Marine Corps actually was the organization that just helped me realize how powerful our minds are over our perception of our abilities and capabilities. And when you go through training, you really learn a lot more about yourself and what you're actually capable of. And so really breaking through some of those mental barriers was just a really key thing for me, especially early on in my career. And so having that mindset allowed me, when I left active duty and started working in sales and inevitably started my business, just really remind myself that, you know, our mind limits us. But when you really start to think about risk as a skill and how to overcome some of those, I will call them artificial barriers that our mind puts on us, it just helps you allow you to see the potential of the situation. I always hear people say, well, I can't do this because I might fail. They have this fear of failure. And and I always say, well, what is failure? And what does that really look like? Because to me, when something doesn't happen the way I want it to, I, I just have learned to say to myself, okay, that didn't work out as planned, but what can I learn from this? How can I do it differently? So I think we just let this this fear of failure, whatever that may mean, I, I just think we let that get in the way. Joan, I couldn't be more in agreement with you. And it's funny too, like if I put, you know, 100 people in a room right now and ask them, what did you learn more from life, your successes or your failures? Hands would shoot up when they talked about failures, right? Because those are some of our greatest, most powerful and profound learning points. And then you ask, you know, the follow-on question, what did you gain from that experience? And people's 
examples are really rich. And so I think sometimes we think about failure as this negative thing. But failure is only really fatal if you stop trying, if you didn't learn from the experience. So we shouldn't be afraid of failure. And our mind has this amazing ability to to catastrophize what failure could be. I have a friend who is in the process of leaving this executive director role in a nonprofit so she could be in a consultant. And failure to her is homeless on the streets of Chicago. And I keep telling her, you know, don't you think we're going to stop you, you know, your friends at some point <laughs> before you get there? So, yeah, like, you know, true failure is you might stumble. Success might meet, might not be what it really set out to be, but that's not really failure. That's learning. Right. And, you know, I had to learn. I'm one of these type A people where, you know, I have my expectations of how things are. And I love saying supposed to be, which is how nothing mm-hmm. ever turns out. And so I always had my expectations of how it was supposed to be. And then I always had this stri- this need to strive for perfection, that things had to be done the right way. So, you know, living my life with the supposed to be's and the right way can really keep you stuck. And and those are things that I needed to learn how to overcome. Do you think that those are big players for a lot of other people as well? Oh, absolutely. We write a lot about perfectionism perfectionism in the book because that often is what halts people in pursuing their dreams. They wait for the stars, the moon, sun to align before they can take action, which may, you know, not be an ideal time for them. And so then again, they'll delay even further. So we in our book talk about if you want to really perfect something, perfect your response to imperfection. How is that? But get really comfortable with understanding that not everything is going to turn out as you hope it would be. Sometimes and more times not, it's going to be better. We can't predict the future, but we can plan, right, for that one foot in front of the other in front of the other. And that's what we try to advocate through Bet On You and through our work with LeadStar in our leadership coaching space is just get started. It doesn't have to be big. In fact, risk done wrong are these epic, bold strokes. Risk done right is incremental change, one small step followed by the other, and pretty soon you're building the muscle. And I think Nike had the best campaign slogan ever when they say, just do it. I mean, it's brilliant. Just do it. (laughs) It's funny. I remember when that slogan first came out, and you're right, it was so inspiring because, again, there's people who will talk and plan and dream and all these things, but the people who are out there making it happen are just doing it. Right. Because what's the worst thing that can happen? And, you know, the funny thing, again, the worst thing that can happen probably isn't even a possibility. I mean, the worst thing that can happen is you you learn and you discover that maybe it wasn't exactly what you thought it was going to be. And that's okay. But you tried and you can go to sleep soundly at night knowing that you're not afraid to pursue your dreams. Do you believe strong leaders are the biggest risk takers? That depends. (laughs) It's just. In in the work that I do with Lead Star in the first two books that we wrote about, um, a lot of it had to do like, you know, spark and leading from the front. Leadership is about influencing others and inspiring others through your behavior. So it's not about that job title. It's about behavior. And I've got phenomenal leaders who do, you know, do a really great job of setting an example and developing their character and being accountable and all these things. And yet they're still a little bit afraid to take a risk, but they're on a really good, comfortable path. And you said it in your introduction, you know, getting out of your comfort zone is still hard for people, especially people who are just so comfortable and, you know, feel pretty good about the path they're on. And through my conversations with many just really talented leaders, I know that they've got a dream. I know that there's something that they want to do, and they're just a little bit afraid to start it because it's unconventional in their world just to, you know, do that side hustle or change industries and careers on the spot, or even ask for a promotion, or even within their business. I know that we prize in organizations some of these entrepreneurial opportunities, start a new business unit, just a little bit scared. And so the great thing, though, with risk is that we can learn how to take risk. It's a skill set. Right. And to take a smart risk. So if you're thinking about starting your own business, maybe you begin doing it part time or, you know, there are ways that you can mitigate the damages that can occur from taking that risk. It's a smart way to do it. Yeah, great, great point. I was 
you know, my husband and I recently, we wanted to sell our house and move closer to, he owns a, a coffee shop and move closer to the business because we found ourselves on the road all the time. And selling the house and moving seemed like such a big proposition. It was so intimidating, but start somewhere. We just started talking to real estate agents. And then, you know, before you know it, we're packing boxes, but it didn't have to all be done overnight. And education, you know, educating yourself, that really does empower you to take those smart risks. 100%. We write about the value of guides in Bet on You, people in our life who can help fill in the blanks on how to go about achieving our dreams. We have, you know, three people, types of people in our life. We call them, you know, our champions. You know, the people who are just going to be in our cheering section and maybe the champions, too, are people who are doing what we want to do and trying to, you know, connect with them to say, hey, how did you get started? Tell me your path. Like That's a really valuable experience, a secondhand experience that you can take on. We also have big stagers, you know, people who, um, probably like you, Joe, you know, people who get to share their thought leadership and influence. We may not know them directly, but we can dial in and, and hear and get that motivation and inspiration and encouragement. We also have some of those no-choosers, you know, people in our life, family members, friends, colleagues, people that we didn't necessarily, with the exception of a couple people, have a direct hand in, but people are strong, but we can get inspiration. So education, is certainly, it's look at the internet, get books, but we've got people all around us who are living some of the dreams we'd like to pursue. Talking to them is a huge piece. Angie, can you give our listeners a few strategies that can help them develop their wrist muscle? Yeah, absolutely. I find that one of the best things anyone can do starts off with just dreaming a little better. So really coming into a space where you can clarify what is something that you really haven't achieved yet, but you've always wanted to do. I find that we're so busy And in the moments when we could be dreaming, like on a park bench or in a waiting room, we're looking at our phone and distracted by just kind of external influences. So start to like put down the phone, think bigger, and really just turn inward to really understand what's missing or what could be better in my life. We also think about kaleidoscope dreaming. So trying to think about different areas of your life, not just career, but what are you doing for fun? How are you serving your community? Um, what are you doing with your family? Like, what is there anything in your life that's in a state of neglect that you really need to pay attention to that could help round off your life and make you a little bit more balanced and feeling harmonious? harmonious. Second thing is really just start to identify people who are doing the things that um, you want to be doing. And it's funny, I think we sometimes get intimidated by asking people to share their life story to us and how they went about achieving their success. But for the person you're asking, most people want to help. Most people love to talk about themselves. Most people want to share um, their story and their secrets. So you're actually giving them a gift. Sometimes it's turning that around a little bit, knowing that you might feel intimidated, but you're giving the other person an opportunity to help. And most people want to help you. Angie, you said it's important to recognize the people that surround us, the the people that cheer us on or or can hold us back. When I Mm -hmm. wanted to start this work many years ago, this was a huge risk for me. This was so out of the realm of anything I ever imagined Mm -hmm. for myself. And I had a lot of people who were close to me who were mocking me, telling me I was crazy, saying it was ridiculous. What do you say to someone who wants to take a risk, believes in it, but he or she is surrounded by people who are belittling what they want to do or, or you know, speaking <laughs> negatively about it, trying to hold them back. Oh, my gosh, Joan, I can, I, I can relate right away to that statement. 100% when I started my, you know, speaking and writing business back in 2004, I certainly had those eye rollers like, okay, I guess this is what Angie's <laughs> doing next. <laughs> I was middle-aged, so they were really thinking I was crazy. <laughs> It is funny, right? Because, you know, going back, when we think about risk-taking, I always like to tell people that we take risks all the time. I mean, think about getting married or going to college. Those are like crazy risks if you think about it. There's only a 50-50% chance of success in those risks. Yet, when we take those risks, people pass us, you know, gifts and parties and things like that. And think about then the later on in your life, the risks that you want to take. The chances for success are probably far greater, but people are going, oh, no, I don't know about this. And I often think it's really because the older that we get, 
the more nuanced our dreams are. They're more reflective of independent experiences that people in our life just don't have access to. Like we can understand, right, the concept of getting married because a lot of people do that. So again, we cheer and get excited. But starting your side hustles, starting, you know, a podcast, starting an Etsy business, probably not a lot of people in your life are doing those things. And so they are probably going to be a little bit more skeptical of it. And they aren't really sure, right? They haven't been inside your brain. They haven't seen your vision. And you haven't maybe articulated your vision fully to them. So oftentimes their skepticism is probably just their lack of exposure to what it is that you're trying to do. And well, you got to manage them, right? Or well, least, the things that you were just yeah, listing, Angie, the, the, the one big thing that kept going through my mind, many of us have children. We don't know what we're doing when we have a baby. That is probably the <laughs> biggest risk you can take in your life, and yet you do it. So maybe when we're oh, about to take a risk, we should think, well, I had that baby, and it turned out okay. <laughs> so, you know, maybe that's motivation. <laughs> I love my Bob used to say, you know, I did my best with you guys and I didn't know what I was doing. Right. <laughs> so no one tells like, you what's coming up. <laughs> <laughs> I know, at least the second child, if you, you're brave enough to do that, you have a little bit more experience and firsthand knowledge. But yeah, it's true. It's like nobody knows what they're doing, but we're doing it. We're well, and, you know, and on a serious note, if if you really do step back and think about it, it is a risk that we take blindly without thinking a whole lot about it. It's just something we decide we want to do, and we do it without knowing what the outcome may be. So maybe it does serve as motivation for us when we want to take another risk in life. We asked, when Courtney and I started our business back in 2004, uh, we were nervous because, again, nobody in our world had really done it before, None, nobody in our immediate world. But then we started doing our research and finding out all these people who were achieving on the dreams that we wanted to strive towards, we asked ourselves a really powerful question. If not us, then who? You know, if it can be done and people are doing it, why can't we do it? And that's a really great question for anybody to ask. Like if it is being done by people with similar backgrounds, by similar experiences, and they're achieving success on it, why can't you? (laughs) So if not you, then who? I always bring that up when I when I make presentations, and I do have something about that. I'll say, why does one person go on Oprah or another person on the Today Show or someone else write the book? And the answer always is because that person believed that he or she could. And that's really the seed where everything can grow from. And you, to me, are talking about confidence, and we write about that, too, just having the confidence within yourself. And I love how confidence is researched. It's called you know, in the psychology space, self-efficacy. It's your belief in your ability to do whatever it is you set out to do in the moment that it matters. And it's a skill. And and I always think, too, like, if you can't believe in yourself and in the power of your dream, who gets to? These are your dreams. And just to own them, I used to live in... um, Los Angeles for a bit, and I would talk to friends who were aspiring actors, and it was always funny to me, like the ones that you thought perhaps had a chance, they would boldly stay, even though they were, you know, working at restaurants and doing what they had to do to get by in the service industry, they would say, like, I want to be an actor. Maybe they'll say it with conviction versus, oh, I guess I'm trying to be an actress or an actor. It just comes across differently, and so you have an opportunity to believe in your dreams and be convicted to them. The book is Bet on You, How to Win with Risk. If you'd like to get more information about Angie and her work, you can visit leadstar.us. Angie, in about 30 seconds or less, what's a takeaway? What would you like to leave our listeners with? I think just understanding what risk is. We often pit it against reward as if it's the downside of a choice. Risk the reward, but it's not. Risk is your path to reward. And understanding the misconceptions about risk and really understanding your relationship with risk can unlock those dreams that you have in your mind. Angie, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you so much for having me. It's great to connect. This is Conversations with Joan. Stay with us. We'll be right back. Is your immune system as strong as you would like it to be? Did you ever question if there is something else you can do to build a stronger immune system besides eating right, exercising, and getting plenty of rest? Energy work, such as Reiki, has been proven to help with reducing stress. We know that stress contributes to inflammation within our bodies, which can eventually wreak havoc on our immune system, potentially creating a host of critical health disorders. 
The purpose of Reiki is to cleanse, balance, and heal the physical, mental, emotional, and spiritual bodies. Most of us pay attention to only our physical bodies. If we experience any adverse effects within our physical body, it normally would raise a red flag and we would seek out medical help. On the other hand, most of us are unaware of how much our mental and emotional bodies contribute to the health of our immune system. For instance, did you ever consider that unresolved anger over long periods of time can cause an unhealthy response in our liver? Our energetic systems must be in balance in order to create a harmonious vibration, which then contributes to the overall health of our immune system. Why not consider monthly Reiki sessions for yourself and begin working on your immune system? Hi, this is Roxy. San D'Angelo, a certified Reiki master. If you would like more information, you can reach me on the web at crystalclearenergies.com. You've put your heart and soul into writing a book. You've made a substantial financial investment in getting the project done. And you have a beautiful publication with your name on the cover. So, how do you reach your potential readers? Introducing the Change Your Attitude, Change Your Life Book Club, a resource guide created for books that change lives. A book featured gets recognized. Change Your Attitude, Change Your Life includes the work of some of the most inspirational and influential authors in the world. Shouldn't you be there too? Let's get started. For more information, visit cyacyl.com slash book club. I am incredibly, incredibly proud to be a physician here at St. Jude. To be in a place where I know my patients are going to get the top-notch care. Not only care, but also research happening 24 hours a day, 7 days a week. Every single person that contributes is a part of that St. Jude family that makes that happen. Because of everyone that is really committed to the mission of St. Jude, we're giving families hope. St. Jude Children's Research Hospital. Finding cures. Saving children. Learn more at stjude.org. I hope you found the show informative. At Change Your Attitude, Change Your Life, we believe that knowledge is power. Take what you've learned, apply it, and live your best life now. Remember that the information provided is the opinion of our guest and should never replace the advice of a professional who knows your personal situation. If you'd like more information, visit our website, cyacyl.com. That stands for Change Your Attitude, Change Your Life. While on our site, listen to past shows on demand, read the digital magazine, sign up for our mailing list, and be sure to follow the show on social media. Until next time, this is Joan Herman. Thanks for tuning in. The preceding pre-recorded program sponsored by Maximilian Communications. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.